Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everybody. It's episode 11 of Flames Nation Radio, brought to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery's Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Uh, it's Christmas time, the holiday season, regardless of what you celebrate. So A, it's cold. So to be nice, uh, if you order food delivery, make sure you tip generously because it's it's going to be cold this week. Uh, and uh, the and drivers will appreciate it. Yeah, and, uh, and Rupert's Whiskey is, uh, if you're, uh, you know, as we're recording this, it's three days to Christmas. And uh, if you're looking for, uh, you know, for the a late gift for the Flames fan in your life, it's a good, it's a good gift. Who doesn't like whiskey? I mean, you know, if if you have a friend that doesn't drink, it's probably not a great gift. But if you have a friend that uh, imbibes from time to time, you know, why not? Easy gift, easy. You know, don't overthink it. Just take care of them. So uh, this is going to be kind of an interesting episode. Uh, it's been, you know, Shane. Last week we were sort of joking that it's been like a year of a week last week uh so at this point last week i think what 17 16 more than less than 20 but more than 10 calgary flames players and personnel uh including the whole pretty much three quarters of the coaching staff was in the covid protocol as of this recording uh we have been told so far no one has exited protocol our understanding is that there'll be some kind of announcement as players and other personnel exit and to date no one has been announced as exiting so I mean, they're still wall- they're still waiting through that. Uh, you know, uh, Dang Vladar was the latest flame to enter the COVID protocol on December 21st, so he's going to be out, uh, I believe, at least till the 30th. So that's interesting. Uh, and uh, what else has happened? Uh, the Flames uh, got the six NHL, games postponed. Olympics aren't happening, so games are going to happen during the Olympic break. Yeah, and that's, and and that's for sure. And let's let's pour one out for you know this uh, as we'll get into. This is supposed to be fun, but at times you know, especially if you work for a team, it's also a job. And this has been a long two to three years, depending on how you want to measure it, for a lot of support staff in the NHL. And I will be very blunt: uh, the folks that were going to the Olympics were very excited to go to the Olympics because it gets out of the gets them out of their monotony because it's been a very monotonous two to three years. And those who weren't going to the Olympics were looking very much forward to three weeks off because, you know, they get a chance to unplug and recharge. And I mean, I think a lot of people on the media side and non-media side are sort of mentally fried. I mean, I think, a lot, let's be honest, it's been a decade of uh, two years. It's been like, you know what, March, March 2020 has basically been the longest month in human history and it continues to drag on. And nobody's had, on. Yeah, like no, nobody's... Even the folks who are, who are very fortunate, you know, everyone's not having the best of time. So I think, you know, anything that you can have to look forward to, I think was was really nice. And then, you know, no Olympics. I mean, it's it is what it is. I think we all sort of saw the writing on the wall when when Omicron started coming up. And like, you know, first it was the Flames, and we, you know, we were sort of doing the the, the somersaults scheduling wise to try to figure out how to cram games in, and it was it was workable, but it was sucked. And so now it's going to be a little bit less insane, but it's still going to suck. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of back-to-backs and things like that, just sort of jamming in games wherever there's availability. So, so that I, happened. I, I have a theory, though, because uh, there's no cross-border travel for the rest of the month of December. 
Uh, the no, the, they might change that. There, there, they said there was a set date in December, but I, I think we the might. Flame, see... The Flames have that game on the thirtieth in in Seattle. I think they're playing that game, but I it's, at this point, you know, who the hell knows? I mean, yeah. they, they would. That, the, the, my, my understanding is they would very much like to play the games as scheduled and then work around things, but there's going to be any number of restrictions, state, local, and federal they have to deal with. Well, even if they can't cross border travel, one of the things that got shut down in the process was a Maple Leafs Western road trip. So if they could get that up, there's a game they can make up there. There was a battle of Alberta already on the schedule that can still be played. Uh, You know, maybe if they do send a team out West or a team out East, you know, maybe they add an extra game before the, they can reach it. We, again, yeah. this is all theoretical. I, I, I figure we'll probably, no. <laughs> I figure we'll probably get some sort of indication any day now about what's going on with the schedule. So we've had that. So let's see, everyone's sick or at least everybody, everybody's in the protocol, basically all but three players, uh, four players. If you count Brett Ritchie, who's injured, uh, six games postponed as so far, uh, not going to the Olympics. Uh, the, when the, the 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 from what I understand, my understanding was teams did not get a heads up uh, from the province when the province said, "Okay, cool, we're going to do half capacity for the foreseeable future." So, uh, in, in case you you know you've been living under a rock, in which case, congratulations, I, I envy you. Uh, the the national the the Alberta provincial provincial government has dictated that. I believe it's facilities of a thousand spectators or more have to do half capacity and there's no food or beverage service because, you know, if you, if you, let's be honest, if you've watched a hockey game in anywhere in the NHL over the year, pretty much most, I'd say 90 to 95% of the NHL buildings have mask mandates, but the caveat is, oh yeah, you can take your mask off if you're, if you're eating or drinking. So if you've watched Flames games on Sportsnet, you've undoubtedly seen everyone playing the game of, well, I'm holding a beer, therefore I'm actively eating or drinking. So if you've gone to a game or seen on TV, like maybe 10, 15% of people are actively wearing the mask during the course of the game. And when you have a more contagious uh, thing like Omicron, that ain't good. I, I, to be honest, I don't know if 9,600 people with masks on is still the best idea, but I, I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist. So we had that, which is just a lovely kick in the stomach to everyone who is sort of looking forward to an old time battle of Alberta. It's going to be a dry battle of Alberta in half or half full or half empty arena, depending on how you look at it. I think at this point, mentally, we're all going, it's going to be half empty. Uh, and then Speaking of arenas. And then the big story of the week, not just here, but strangely in the NHL based on the texts I've been getting. Uh, so at, at, at uh, about six, around six o'clock on uh, Tuesday, at Tuesday evening, uh, Calgary's new mayor, Jody Gondick, basically dropped the bombshell that the Flames had told her that, they're, that they intend to pull out of the arena deal. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into the weeds later on about – the whole thing but yeah it's 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 been a thing if if we're gonna cut to the chase if you if you if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast because you're sleepy or you have a, a short commute uh i think it's a negotiation tactic but on both sides i mean the city is not exactly flush with cash uh you know if, if you've paid attention to any of their their tax discussions you know, they have a lot of big plans for downtown that they need money for. They have a lot of plan, a lot of non-arena plans for the other parts. You know, they're they're involved in redeveloping the uh, the arts former Arts Commons building. I forget what it's called now. I think they they keep changing it on me, but the the, the Epcor Center, the old Epcor Center across from City Hall, they're in the midst of a downtown strategy because uh, downtown is like the offices are like a third empty. So they're working on some some incentives and capital improvements to convert buildings to non-commercial use like apartments office you know make, basically make offices so that you they're not just offices because we're not going to have a, a spike in demand in office space for the foreseeable future i mean you have all these towers that are just uh, sitting there empty so you might as well try to do something with them but that ain't cheap so the city's trying to help help defray those costs and again that ain't cheap so they need to have money on board for that uh the green line is something that you know much like this much like the arena has been really contentious but, you know, the arena, you know, if, if, if no matter how cynical you are, you know, you pay to use an arena, you pay to use the, the, the train. But, I mean, the train takes cars off the road. And I think there's, you know, a lot of folks see a value in that. And, you know, the, it's, it's pricey and getting pricier. And I'm sure if the city has 
pennies kicking around that they can save on things. They'd love to have some wiggle room for spending on that rather than the arena. Not to say they don't want to spend the arena, but I think they've committed the funds that they like to commit to that project and would like to spend other money on other things. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, uh, Forbes got into this uh, in the most recent Forbes uh, estimates of uh, franchise values. And again, Forbes guesstimates based on the data they have available and they can cobble together. So it's not airtight, but Forbes uh, estimated the Flames operational loss last year at about 13 million. And, you know, the, the Flames have been, you know, as Ken King noted, uh, the late Ken King noted at times, the Flames are the Flames were a revenue sharing team, not to say that they were losing money, but uh, the way NHL revenue sharing works is, uh, you know, there's three tiers. There's the top 10, the middle 10, and the bottom 10. If you're in the middle 10, you don't qualify for revenue sharing. If you're in the top 10, you chip in money for revenue sharing. And if you're in the bottom 10, you get money for revenue sharing. Very few NHL teams actively lose money in a non-pandemic world. Uh, the list, depending on the year, is usually just, to be honest, Arizona, and occasionally like Buffalo and you know, a couple other teams, the Islanders had a couple of lean years when they were sort of bouncing between, uh, you know, uh, the Nassau Coliseum and uh, the uh, Barclays Center. Like they weren't doing great numbers there. So realistically, if you want to be, uh, you know, if you want to get a good proxy for it, go to ESPN, check out their you know, year to year uh, average attendance rankings. And that's usually a pretty good proxy for, you know, who's making the most money and who's probably getting revenue sharing. So, and outside of the very, very bottom of the bottom, no one's really losing money most years. But last year, you know, the, the Flames at the end of the 1920 season, uh, they had eight home games just disappear into the ether. Um, at uh, Elliott Freeway Sportsnet estimated that Flames are taking in about 1.4-ish million per game for home games and four of them disappeared. That ain't, you know, that's a decent amount of money. Uh, last year, they, you know, in a normal season, they play 41 home games. Uh, they played 28 and they didn't have fans. So that takes a big, pretty big bite out of their bottom line. And, you know, the construction costs are spiraling, not, you know, not just related to the arena, but, you know, pretty much everywhere, you know, supply chains are, you know, it takes very long to get things now. Some supply chains are better than others, but if you're getting anything with steel or lumber, you're going to be paying out the nose and it'll take a while. And so, you know, pile all these things on, you know, the, the Flames in July agreed to, uh, I think they were originally doing a 50-50 split of seven, 275 million a piece. Uh, and then it became 287.5 and then 321 uh, in terms of skewed towards the Flames, uh, just for the building of the building. You know, we can get into the land and all the other stuff, demolition, road stuff later on. But, you know, the, the Flames were paying more than half. Granted, I mean, they are getting the revenue from the building and paying a, you know, paying a, a licensing fee basically back to the city. So, I mean, you can make a case. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they're getting most of the benefit from the arena, uh, but not right away. They're going to get the benefit from the arena in five, in three, three to four years. Uh, and in the interim, I mean, you know, I, it's not like, you know, not to make anyone, not to, to play a violin for, for folks who generally do fairly well, but you know, it's, it's been a lean few years for uh, for sports clubs and especially sports clubs in this town, you know. So that all that all combines to if if you're if costs go up 10 million, 20 million, whatever, and the reaction is yeah, flames can take care of it. I mean, yeah, I can see why you think that. And yeah, there's a there's a I think there's a a decent that, that's not a terrible answer. But if imagine if you're the flames and every time anything happens uh, in terms of a cost escalation, the knee jerk reaction is oh, the flames can take care of it. I mean, eventually you're just going to feel like you're being treated like an ATM. And so, you know, the, the city has a lot of priorities they're juggling and don't want to sink in a lot more money. And the flames have priorities they're juggling. Like they're trying to run the hockey club and do the best they can. And, you know, deal with provincial mandates that they didn't. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of weird crap that they've been having to deal with that they wouldn't normally deal with. And yeah, everyone's dealing with that. I mean, you know, everyone's going through this crap storm together, but I mean, imagine make if, it any easier. Though. Exactly. Because exactly. everyone's like, doing it. It doesn't make it any. Easier. Exactly. So that's, that's my long way of saying for in the preamble here, I feel like this is on both sides, a bit of brinksmanship. Um, I'll, I'll just say as an aside, uh, welcome new followers. I've, uh, I don't know how I got uh, I got plugged by uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet and Thirty Two Thoughts. 
a bunch of new followers on the social media then uh on, Reed, uh, we love you. on the jeff merrick show he spent a lot of time a weird amount of time like i i i gotta say this you know as as someone that sort of grew up on the message boards i'm an old calgary puck person i i i, I got my start posting on Calgary puck. And then I just sort of started writing here and there. And then, and then this, it is whatever it is now. Uh, and I miss anonymity sometimes because I it's praise is weird to me. I don't like, you know, I've, I'm Shane and I were joking off air. Like my family, Scottish and Irish, we're very much a, the work is the work kind of thing. Like, you know, the work is its own reward kind of thing, you know, you know, Protestant work ethic and all that. So, I mean, uh, I'm not great with praise, but it's been really, you know, a lot of people have reached out or uh, said nice things about the site, about about my work in particular. Uh, it, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go into too much too much about you know, it, but you know, it's it's been nice to hear. I, I, thank you very much for everybody. Uh, I'd be remiss to say, like, to be completely honest, I'm you know, I had the opportunity to go to city hall a lot over the last few years and and you know talk to people and and get the lay of the land and stuff. And, you know, I've been, I was uh, really helped out by a lot of great people in the city hall media corps. Uh, I'm not going to mention all of them. So I apologize to anyone who was awesome to me and I forgot the names. Um, people in particular, uh, folks like Madeline Smith, uh, Megan Popkins, Jeremy Classes, Darren Krause, and uh, Scott Dipple from the CBC. Uh, a lot of others, our, our old friend Sammy Hudes, uh, who is in Toronto now being awesome, but previously he was uh, with Post Media and covering stuff there. We miss you, Sammy. Uh, yeah, love there's- your, Love your memes. Love your memes, Sammy. Everybody loves Sammy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, there's, you know, if if you, you know, I, I cover a very small part of a lot of things that, you know, important, cool things that are going out City Hall. So uh, if you get a chance, you know, follow all those people on your socials to keep up to date what's going on in the city. Um, if I seem at all informed about city issues, it is because I follow very smart people who allow me to answer or let me ask uh, times very dumb questions to them just sort of to fill my head with the right information. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, thank you. Uh, it's, it's been it's been a weird week. And uh, now, gonna, let's, should, we, should we dive in, Shane? Well, before you do that, I'm going to say, I'm going to let Pike be modest, but I am going to say, I know I, I've specifically heard from him that he's been on Zoom calls about the arena and City Hall Zoom calls. Yeah, and you do put in a lot of work, Pike, and, 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 and you, the, the praise is deserved. Uh, a, fra a, fraction, a fraction of the work that the, the, the City Hall beat people were. <laughs> yes. Yes, but I, I will give you some credit. But what we were going to do next is I'm going to I'm gonna go in to ask Pike some uh, questions from like a fan related perspective and he's going to do his best he's going to answer them to the best of his knowledge and ability uh, you know we're not we're not going to promise perfection but uh you know for people out there that have questions i'm going to ask some uh, some pretty basic ones and we're going to see uh you know what, what what pike knows so if you're ready to jump in i've got a few right off the hop let's do um, it the first one is is the deal officially dead or has it been or is it still possibly alive? So um, both Mayor Gondick and uh, Flame CEO John Bean got into this a little bit today. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday that the deal was not dead, but it was merely the, that the Flames had told the city that they intend to pull out, which is very different. But the, uh, you know, within the contract, there's a process for pulling out. And basically, you know, uh, they're, they're, they were coming up, I believe that the term, I might get this exact wording wrong. Uh, the term that is used in the contract is the construction phase commencement date. So the commencement phase, uh, the construction phase commencement date is, to be honest, the day, it's day when they go from pre-construction into actual construction. So to, to move from one phase to the other, it's basically you have to go through all the stuff the development permit office said, hey, make sure you do these things. Uh, we, you know, we've mentioned in various formats, the 78 conditions that the, that the project had from the planning commission. Uh, and th those are the things that they're working through, I think, because you basically have to, you know, you have, there's conditions before they can give you the development permit. There's conditions before they can give you the, uh, the construction permit. You know, there's different conditions that sort of, you know, work into different phases of the project that have to be done in different different timelines. But they're working through that now. And, you know, both Mayor Gondick and uh, John Bean mentioned the, you know, they're, they're coming towards a, a deadline. And the deadline in the contract is December 31st. Uh, so. You know, I was when I was on with Pat and uh, and Will during uh, the big show this afternoon. They mentioned like, hey, 
know, or what happens next, you know, we're, we're heading towards a pinch point because, you know, if you hit the, if the, the way the contract is written, if you get to the, the construction phase commencement date of the 31st of December and not all the conditions are, are cleared, uh, both, you know, if you can just terminate the contract. So they have, both sides have it out and it's an out that allows them to get out with basically, you know, you get out the, the basic procedure is everyone's like, okay, let's just tally up who spent what and anything eligible, they split 50, 50. And then, you know, there's, there's a list of eligible and ineligible costs, but yeah, the spirit of the agreement was, you know, if they have to duck out early, they divvy up the, the, the costs that they would have incurred at this point, cut it up 50, 50, and then everyone else gets their money back. So that's, that's what so I said. Not quite dead, but the date on it's, this is closer than we think. Yeah, it's it's the clock is ticking, and you know, and I think that's sort of if you're wondering why that why is this happening now, it's because this is the last off ramp. Uh, after this point, you know, the the, the idea was they were going to have shovels in the ground, the frozen frozen ground, sometime in January, like first two weeks in January. So one, you know, they're basically this is the point where they go through and they sort of look through the budget and the conditions and this, this and the other thing, and both sides, both the flames and and uh, the city would give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. And so that's why that's why the the, the nineteen million dollars came up that uh, that the flames are having an issue with because this is the last off ramp for everybody. Like this is if the city is like no we're done this is their off ramp. If the flames are like whoa 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 another twenty million this is their off ramp. And because after this point if you sign off on the budget as is and you commit to spend the money on these things if you try to bail out later it is lawsuits it is material breach it is you know all kinds of things that you have to deal with. Granted they they have a lot in the in the deals. Uh, about you know dispute resolution and mediation and arbitration and those kind of things, but you know those are things that are usually preamble towards some sort of litigation. Uh, now there's there's no real mechanism for that. This is basically a go no go. This is the they're on the launch pad, and if you have to pee pee right now because you know in a second this this rocket ship's going to be in the air and you're going to lose your window. So I think this is this is what's going on now where the countdown's going off and you know both sides are going. Oh man, did I leave the oven on? I should probably go check that. Those kind of things. Okay. Uh, next question uh, right now is the the kind of number floating around there is 19, 19.1 million. What are the extra costs to your knowledge that have uh, that have caused this issue? The, the most of them, the one that, uh, that, that John Bean brought up uh, most most frequently were there's two things. There was sort of the, the right of way. Uh, which is basically uh, the right of way is sort of the area. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. I just want to make <coughs> live rate, live podcasting. Uh, hopefully, I didn't sneeze into the microphone and blow at anybody's eardrums. Um, but yeah, the, the the two things were were the uh, the environmental stuff, the, the client mitigation, and the right of way. Uh, so the client mitigation stuff. Uh, the basically, I believe it was the week before the planning commission meeting, the, you know, Mayor Gondek and council one of their first meetings declared a climate emergency. And part of that is just sort of, you know, looking at, you know, in public facilities, public owned facilities, public run facilities, trying to be carbon neutral as soon as possible. The, the, the city's official target is 2050. Uh, as part of the, the discussions around the arena, they were talking about putting, you know, solar panels, uh, you know, PV panels. I think they're called the photovoltaic panels. I think was the term. Uh, basically, solar panels on the roof. And the idea is, okay, you know, you, you might not, you might not uh, be able to power the whole thing. But the idea is, you know, Calgary has a lot of sunny days. You can offset the the energy usage, which would help green the grid a bit. And I think they're, they're the way they set up set up the system. Uh, they would be carbon neutral by 2035, which is 15 years earlier, which is pretty cool because, you know, I think if, if you're like, you know, imagine if you're the, the city and, you know, people come from out of town or whatever, and they're like, so this is the this is the building they spent public money on. And you can go like, yeah, but it's carbon, it's, you know, it's, it's lead silver and it's carbon, you know, it's going to be carbon neutral by 2035. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, it's, it's, it's an, I think it's an easier way to sort of sell it down the chain. And it's, you know, it sounds cool. Could they have done you know, I think the, the cost associated with that, the number that Mayor Gondek had was $4 million. Uh, could they have done that a little bit cheaper? I don't know. Could they, like, would it be cheaper if they uh, if they targeted, you know, 2050 instead of 2035, as in, would you have less intense, you know, and less expensive photovoltaic uh, needs? I don't know. I assume so, but I don't know how much. Uh, I don't know anything about solar paneling, so... Uh, it, to to say I do is just me, me guessing, but it seems it seems logical that scaling that back a bit could bring some costs down a bit. But 
the flames you know i think they saw the the 2035 thing like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. why are we doing this this seems like a, a city thing we will help you we can help you with the cost but we don't really want to be on the hook for the whole thing this is one you know there's not really you know they don't see it as sort of a necessary thing uh, as much as the city does which you know reasonable people are allowed to disagree and you know four million dollars ain't chump change it's uh <laughs> it's what uh four if, you, if anyone out there has it as chump change you can send it to me i'll gladly use it <laughs> yeah and the other thing is the, the road right of ways so it's basically um you know stuff stuff you know sidewalk improvements along the the outside of the building road improvements on the outside of the building basically you know to do a lot of these things you want to do you got to tear tear up the roads do the do whatever you're doing and then put the roads back so things like that around the building uh one, the thing that's specifically mentioned in the the agreement as being a city responsibility is sort of the transportation plan and, and capital improvements to the transportation plan so like say, you know, they need to, the city is responsible for a couple underpasses, uh, you know, to connect the city or connect the, the area with the East, the, the East Village to the North and to 17th Avenue. They're not doing underpass, they're just doing the road straight in, but that's not cheap. So the, the cities, I believe that at the, I believe they had budgeted about 10 million for it uh, at, in July. I think the number I saw kicking around lately was 6.4 million. That was the number that, that uh, Mayor Gondick mentioned, but I don't know if that's the total of all the capital stuff they would need to do. I think they're still figuring that out. But yeah, the but anyway, yeah, those are the two big things. The, you know, the sort of you know road and sidewalk things that are sort of you know around the building but not part of the building, and the, you know, the things like the solar paneling. I mean, there's there's 78 conditions, and as part of the development process, you know, the development permitting process at Planning Commission. They basically go through a lot of the a lot of the the, the conditions and say, okay, so you know you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you know the the applicants uh, at planning commission have the ability to sort of say, I agree with that condition, I disagree, and then you know get into it. it if you have 78 conditions to be, you know, there's already a long meeting. It'd be a pain in the ass to sort of go through and try to nickel and dime each one. But I mean, that's that's kind of what the development process is. The you know the, the when when the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation was running. The uh, the show in terms of the development of it, I think they did a lot of the legwork for that. But you know, the the flames had the ability to really push back on some of those things, and at least at the commission meeting they didn't, and so they were just given the the, the list of here's your stuff to do. And the flames didn't disagree with most of it, but there, like I said, there's a few things that they went whoa 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 whoa. Why is this our responsibility? So those the, the, yeah the, the the road and. Uh, sidewalk right-of-ways and the, the, the solar paneling were the things that seemed to be mentioned the most by John Bean today. Okay. Uh, so I, for anyone listening that's uh, wondering if we're going to ask some uh, incriminating questions, either or, I don't plan on doing that. This is more of an information session for everybody. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is getting shared that, you know, may not be a hundred percent true. So that's what we're trying to do. I'm not, there's a lot of questions on um, Twitter that I got some indicating Murray, some indicating Gondek. We're not going to do that. Yeah, That's no, it's, we are doing. it's reasonable people are allowed to disagree. And, you know, both sides have, you know, as we've gotten into looking we'll into, it's a valid points. And to be, let's be completely honest, no one's a baby eater here. Like no one's, no one's, I, this is a case, I think, you know, that there's, there's some nuance in the situation. Nobody's sort of a mustache twirling villain being like, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to ruin the city or ah, ha, ha, I'm going to run away and never pay taxes. Because, I mean, as an aside, if you guys want to, you know, we, this is sort of a complete aside here. If you want to get some interesting reading, read up on Murray Edwards' life. The guy's life is fascinating. I mean, fascinating. I mean, dude's he's he's intense. He's an intense dude. Yeah, you don't get to be a billionaire without uh, without having some reduction in some areas of your life. Um, you you, do, you don't get questions. to be mayor without without uh, you know. You, you, ever, yeah. you, ever, you ever see the uh, you know one of my favorite movies, The Social Network? Uh, tag it always sticks with me the tagline you don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies i mean you know people are complicated yeah, and you know, everyone operates in their own well and, and and how they feel is best for them and with their current situation and the people that they employ or represent so um going on um this one comes from audie james he just was wondering if the deal goes off do you in your mind envision that the flames themselves would be willing to renovate the saddle dome um, I believe this. I don't know if the CSEC owns the saddle dome myself. So I'll city owns the saddle dome, but but uh, the Flames are the operator of the facility. Uh, so 
I think they, I think if this thing ends up being dead and buried, or at least if both sides end up going, you know, going their separate ways and saying, well, I guess we'll deal with this and uh, you know, down, somewhere down the line, then I, you know, the Flames will definitely look at drafting up some plans. Uh, I'm stalling as I'm looking for a link that someone sent me in my DMs. Uh, the, the problem is. The, the the arena needs some work. Uh, if you've been to the Saddleome, it's basically a beautiful old sweatshirt that's been that's seen better days. It's you know it's it's not a terrible building, but it could use some work. Um, the C it's like the shirt your wife. It's like the shirt your partner won't let you wear in public, but you can wear around the house. Yeah, as of uh, the the CBC did a report in uh, 2020. Uh, my, my friends got dibbled in this one. Uh, and at the time, as of 2020, uh, there was a, an engineering report. I forget what, what kind of report it was, but I believe it was an engineering report saying the Saddleome needed $48 million in renovations to basically, you know, hang out, you know, you know, be, be around for a few years. So the main thing was the roof, but a lot of it was some stonework, some, you know, things like that. Um, the amongst, quote, amongst the things are crumbling concrete, rust, water leaks, sealants giving way, and uh, squirrels getting into the building. Those were mentioned in the report. So there's 119 projects uh, that the consulting firm uh, you know, pointed out for the city. Uh, 38 million, 39 million of that would be roof repairs. Uh, the roof is very cool looking, but it has not aged particularly well. Uh, they have sonar and stuff to make sure that cables don't snap. Um, so once you hear that, you don't look at the roof the same way again. But so yeah, I, I think uh, I can totally see if, if the idea, if the flames figure out okay, they want to add 10 years, 15 years of the building's life, you know, then they can sort of sit down and come up with a, a plan for those kind of things. But the, the other challenge is, and, and, and as I said, I imagine they probably go to the city and say, hey, you know, sorry, this didn't work out. Can you give us 25 mil to, to help us, uh, you know, sh- make it make the saddle dome more workable? I don't think that's the, uh, the realm of possibility. I think if they had a you know, a reasonable to-do list. I think the city we own, the, the city owns it. So the city's on, in a sense, sort of on the hook for things, but the flames are responsible for managing the facility. But I think, you know, I think there's a, there's definitely a partnership there that can be done. The other, the, the challenge is, I know when, when uh, we're talking about new arena, you know, as you mentioned with the old t-shirt, your partner won't lay wear in public anymore. The saddle needs some work. And the, the, it was brought up like, oh man, why do you got the saddle home? Why you just renovate it? Uh, the the roof itself would be expensive part. The the footprint of the building being expensive part. Um, if you look at sort of the 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 inner workings of the building, uh, the saddle dome is built in the '80s for the needs of a concert and hockey facility in the 1980s. So uh, there was no there's no wasn't there, at the time there weren't a lot of crazy you know riggings like you know the, Taylor Swift was not touring in 1983. She wasn't alive yet. Yeah. So you know, you wouldn't you have like these. Deal, you had to deal with Molly Crew and <laughs> yeah, and, and they didn't have like these big complex sets and the heavy riggings and stuff like that. Uh, and you didn't, and because they didn't have that, you didn't need to have a big enough loading dock to get things in and out. Um, sat hockey teams like the Flames in 1983 had, I don't know, coach, trainer, video, like didn't have a lot of a lot of staff. They have like three times. I met based on my my estimation, three to four times as much staff. Um, especially, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the science of, of human, uh, you know, human performance has just taken leaps and bounds in the last 20 years, even the last 10 years. And so, you know, you didn't have saunas, you have whirlpools, you didn't really have extensive gyms, things like that. And so the flames are basically cramming in four times as much stuff into the same footprint as they would have in 83. So it's, it's not pleasant. They, it's something they're working around, but it's sort of, it's something to be tolerated, not something to be enjoyed. So I think long-term, I, I still think their desire, whether or not this thing goes through right now, I think their desire is to have a new building in, in the, in the city simply because like long-term it's just, it's just not workable from uh, from a concert standpoint and from uh, from a uh, primary tenant standpoint to stay in the saddle. That, that leads into a good point. I want to make before I ask my next question. Um, I saw the joke. Uh, someone said, "Believe in uh, find someone that believes in you, like Gary Bettman believes in the Arizona Coyotes." If if anyone out there thinks the Calgary Flames are going to move in a market that they are in a non-pandemic year have been making money in, 
I, I'm, and I'm going to put severe doubt in your mind that the league would uh, allow that, let alone be okay with it. Uh, there's certain costs with relocation and stuff like that. That's way more complicated than we're going to get into today. Yeah. But and and the idea think, that, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a very expensive Canadian TV deal, high sports net. We love you. Um, and the, the, was sold off of a premise of a certain number of Canadian teams and games involving Canadian teams. So if there's a relocation, I mean, you know, Flames moved to Quebec City. It's a lot of French language games that TVA or one of the, or RDS or someone inherits. And it's a lot of games that Sportsnet loses mid deal. And that is something that if I, if I paid billions of dollars for the TV rights, I would call up Gary and say, you better not let these guys move. Uh, and yeah. similarly, I mean, from, a, I brought this up in the big show, from a logistics standpoint, like just imagine how great it is right now if you're if you're a schedule maker because you can you know the nice thing about the you know the the California teams are kind of clustered together and Vegas is close and Arizona is close, Seattle and Vancouver are clustered together, Calgary and Edmonton are clustered together, Winnipeg and Minnesota like there's so many nice easy quick flights that you can do back to backs and the travel's not too bad and like I I don't think you'd really want to lose the convenience of that. And, you know, as we got into, I mean, you know, outside, outside of, you know, the, the flames can't charge as much for and generate the kind of revenue per head in a, in the second oldest building in the league. And, you know, just to be honest, they have not been renovated at the Saddleham to nearly the extent that Madison Square Garden has. So in the second oldest building in the league, you can't generate revenue the way other teams can. And that's the only negative you can really point out from a business standpoint to how the flames are operating. So, you know, if, if so, you need to solve so many other issues in other markets. I mean, Quebec City was that 15,000 seat arena, 17,000 seat arena. It's not a big market, you know, a few hundred, I think it's 500,000 metro. Quebec City is like 700. Comparable, it's comparable to Winnipeg. Like, it's yeah. not like a comparable to Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. It's not Calgary, Edmonton. It's, it's more can, comparable to Winnipeg, Ottawa. You'd be my, moving. You'd be life. moving to a smaller market that is more, you know, as a lower per capita income and is more reliant on the public sector, like the government work and things related to government work for employment. Kind of like Winnipeg is. Winnipeg had the benefit of, you know, Winnipeg had the you know, brought up again yeah, brought up in the big show. The Manitoba Moose were sort of the the trial balloon for uh, for True North trying to figure out if they can get an NHL team, and they managed they managed to. Just to be, let's be honest, they did an incredible job with the AHL. They, you know, they managed to basically say, "Hey, here's proof that can work." So if you're if you're Gary Bettman and you're trying to sell the board of governors on can Winnipeg work, they go, "Hey, they're supporting the Moose, and we're going to give them a better product." Easy. Uh, if you're going to say Quebec City, I mean, the ramparts are doing pretty well, but it's the it's it's junior, and you don't know how it's going to translate. Especially, it, you know, with the you know, the, if you're supporting the ramparts, kind of like you know, if, if you look at the price tag for Flames tickets versus hidden tickets. There is a lot more to get to being a NHL fan financially than being a junior fan. And, you know, so that's a challenge. And if you're going like, you know, I know everyone's sort of tittering. It's like, hee, 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 Houston. I mean, yeah, Houston to be cool. Uh, but I mean, again, what's the history? Like the Houston Arrows couldn't make it work in Houston. Part of that was sort of their relationship with their, with their landlord, the Toyota Center. But I mean, there's a re if, if, if there was a, a groundswell, in, in Winnipeg, there was a groundswell. After the Winnipeg Jets went to uh, went to Phoenix, everyone and their dog was like, bring back the Jets. We love the Jets. And so when True North said, hey, how about the Moose? They're like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. And so there's, you know, there was a, a passionate, you know, voracious fan base in Winnipeg. Not a big one, but big enough to make it work for the Moose and big enough to make it work so far for the Jets. And, and, and where, where is my question is, you know, the, I don't think that Houston has the kind of groundswell that you would that other markets have had since their hockey club went away. Like I, you know, I if let's be completely honest, if there was enough of a of a of a grassroots demand for hockey in Houston, there's enough smart money people in Houston that they'd have a team somewhere in some league, but they don't. I think in the future, eventually the NHL does go to Houston at some point. The market, it's the sixth, I think someone said on a football broadcast the other day, it was the sixth largest largest TV market in the States. And so like, I think eventually they get there. I don't think they take a financially profitable team in Canada and put them there. So that that that's stemming from the Calgary situation and, and people online worried about that. Uh, it, it, that. That was my 
goal of that? You answered my question before I asked it. I was going to ask, what do you think the NHL thought of it? So that was a great answer. Yeah, it was, I got uh, that. It was, it was brought up on, uh, Will brought it up in the big show. Uh, among the names that we saw on the Zoom call for the Flames was G. Batman. So that's fun. Yeah, I, just, well, I, I just, I just thought Gary wanted, watching this. I just thought Gary wanted to see what good questions we had. I mean, you know, he 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 sees all the, the Eastern media so much and the Toronto media. I'm sure he just wanted to to, to put some names to faces or voices to names. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt if the league's looking at this as well because I I mean it's very like you said it's very publicly known like and the audience questions them this but like if you renovate the building how long do you get the how long is the building viable for like if we're gonna spend this money. How long is the salute? Are you putting a Band-Aid on it? Or do, do you put... So, and like you said, it's not officially dead until the foot's in the ground. So I'm wondering if the if the league decides to, say, have a talk with Mr. Uh, Edwards, but we don't know. We don't know yeah. any of it. Well, then let's... Just, if, if we're then, being... If we're being very cynical about this, if you're like, okay, well, like there's been cost escalations with the flames, you know, would there be a, an appetite for both sides to be like, hey, let's just... Let's let's just sit on this for a couple of years. Like, you know, the plans are done, permitting's done, everything's ready to go. You know, because of the cost, would it be viable to sit on it for a few years? Be like, okay, let's come back to this in 2022 or 2023 or 2024, or whatever, and you know, spend 50 million or 40 million or whatever on making the saddle loam, you know, a, a, a lifeboat, and then revisit this in a couple of years when commodity prices are, are more normalized. I mean yeah, when it's, lumber is not. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, at this point, like if if I this is fair, this, the the arena is important enough to what the city wants to do in terms of diversifying their downtown and the area around downtown and getting people like you know the downtown is kind of a donut. No, like Calgary is one of the cities where even before the pandemic, the joke was it it hollowed out after seven p.m. There's not a lot of nightlife. There's not a lot of street life. And in order to make people feel safe living downtown and people feel safe visiting downtown, the idea is you have to have more people downtown. And, you know, the, the, the library helps with that. The National Music Center helps with that. The arena helps with that. The convention center helps with that. And they want to they do as many different things as they can to, you know, the, the, the Arch Commons. I mean, why are they spending money on, on, uh, on refurbishing Arch Commons? Because they're like, A, it's, you know, an, it's valuable uh, to have art downtown. Similarly, how it's valuable to have sports in the city. But the idea is, you know, get some people downtown. Like, have, give, you know, have more of a, a regular human presence. I mean outside of Stephen Avenue, there's not a lot of nightlife or street life in the city. And they're like, okay, what do we, how do we fix that? So that's not, that problem's not going to go away. And so the, the arena project as a, one of a few solutions to that, you know, I think as long as, as long as the, the economics makes sense, I still think there's some, some viability in that even if they punt for a couple of years and wait for things to settle out. Okay, so so there's a so where we're at right now is it's not quite dead yet, but even if the deadline goes past, it's possible they could revisit this. It's not a dead dead. You know, something does need to happen. So uh, that's kind of where we're at publicly. Uh, Jeremy Stanford actually asked a decent question, and he asked, "Would it be possible to go to an arbitrator?" Um, I I, don't, I I can see problems with that, but I'm going to pose that question to you. It's it's you not. See, uh, it's not in the. It's not of using an arbitrator. In, I don't think it's it's spelled out. Uh, the, the use of arbitrator at this point wouldn't be in in the agreement. They they have like like I said, this is this is the last off ramp for both sides. Like this is the we're done off ramp for both sides for whatever reason. Like they, they don't need a good outside of cost too much. That's that's enough reason. Uh, once they get into actually constructing the things and those disputes, once you're in construction phase, you have the ability to do dispute resolution with like a mediator or arbitrator, but uh, in the pre-construction phase, that's not an option. So, uh, and yeah, and so I'd like to thank the uh, guests on Twitter uh, that asked those lovely questions, uh, Noah, uh, Jeremy, Noah Adler, Jeremy Stanford, and Audie uh, James. Uh, we appreciate the questions, everybody. Um, and yeah, and thank you. Uh, I think that's about all the questions I had for info-wise um, for you, Spike. I just, yeah. a lot of people had, a lot of people are, you know, we've been looking at from a fan perspective, especially me. Like I, I've only been with Flame Station here for a little while now, but uh, oh, you picked a great time. This has been like one I, of the weirdest times a, in franchise history. Yeah, I'm I'm dealing with one of the team coming out to one of their best starts ever, and then having to pause, and, and now the arena, and, and yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff going on. But um, 
this this podcast was mainly to give you guys some information um get maybe get a break from all the covid talk as well and we can talk about the arena it's, it's a nice change of pace to be able to to switch focus we still wish all the best to all the players recovering and all the staff members and yeah and everything obviously, so much so from, from what i've been hearing most people i mean we had uh we had an availability last week with dr ian all the the flames head position it was really cool to, to hear from him because we, we don't hear from a lot because you know thankfully we don't have cause to have availabilities with him very much and you know hopefully we have less cause to have them in the future but it's kind of you know it's kind of interesting getting his perspective uh you know and uh it sounds like most of the most of the the players most of the players the the staff members aren't in too rough shape um i think we're going to be in a situation where we're going to start seeing people come out of the protocol before too long by the time the Battle of Alberta is ready to get going, I think the Flames are slated to practice on the 26th, um, which is usually yeah. an off day, but they, yeah. they switched around. They, so the they bended practice. the CBA for this uh, COVID exception for the yeah. wide. Yeah, but, you know, it's also instead of getting three days off, you get four days off, but they just end a little bit earlier. But, yeah, they get, they're going to practice at this point on the 26th and then play on the 27th at home. So there's no travel involved, which is nice. Uh, we'll see who's available. Uh, by all accounts, they'll have one goalie, Jacob Markstrom. Uh, who knows how he's doing? Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Matthew the, Kachuk is still there. He's been COVID free. He could be no the backup part. goalie. Yeah, yeah, he could be the backup goalie. But yeah, it's, uh, you it's know, it, be... it, it does breed an interesting situation because uh, by the looks of things, Dan Vodar will not be able to be the backup. He, so, he he'll uh, be in the protocol couple... at least through the thirtieth. Yeah, so there'll be uh there'll be something someone that might need to get called up. We don't know who that's going to be yet, but uh, I, they've got plenty of uh, they've got I'm, plenty of nice options down. In I'm the I'm leaning Dustin Wolf. Oh wow, I would too, but uh, until it happens, I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm just gonna I say mean, uh, Adam, Adam Burner. Adam, Adam Burner is a very good goaltender as well. Not uh, not this year, but uh, I mean he's got a body of work. He's played the NHL, so if the idea is that. You know, you don't want to throw wolf to the wolf, so to speak. I mean, that's uh, that's not the worst thing you can be doing. But I mean, but if you don't have a regulation loss on fourteen games, I mean, we're worth looking at, in my personal uh, opinion. And I think a lot of other fans wouldn't mind uh, seeing some young guys. But uh, yeah, it, it, and you know, you know let's, to... let's let's be honest. I mean, you know, parachuting in. Let's just say if, if you feel like you're like, man, wouldn't it be cool to see Jacob Pelche and Dustin Wolf for a game or two while guys get at the protocol list? It is potentially a nice way to ease some guys in. You know, if you're if you're looking at purely on merit, Dustin Wolf is one of the top goaltenders in the American Hockey League. Jacob Pelche is one of the top players in the American Hockey League in terms of skaters. So if you're looking Connor pure, Mackey has been one of the best defensemen in the American lately. 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 Lately, was, not overall, but yeah, but you know, he's 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 putting together a nice body of work since use of Alamaki came down. But yeah, if if the idea is you don't want to to use a phrase, Sven Berchi, these kids by making them feel like they have to be the saviors, bring them up for two or three games in a weird situation where you're like, you know what, kid, you know, we're just happy to see human bodies who, who aren't sick do what you need to do. Back, there's a value in that. I mean, uh, Stockton, no uh, game. Stockton's game tonight was Stockton's game tonight was postponed because of COVID issues. We don't know how extensive they are down there, so that might complicate things a bit. Who's to say? Uh, so, I believe Mike Gould was working uh, on getting some more information. Our colleague Mike Gould was working on getting some more info out of Stockton, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll so hope, hopefully everybody's doing okay down there. But yeah, it's it's you know it, it, that could be a complication. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a weird few weeks. Uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to muddle through. I mean, you know, this is supposed to be fun. This is, you know, I know a lot of folks in uh, challenging times like to use sports for a uh, a bit of an outlet, a bit of an escape, and the their escape has been a, not as much of an escape as we'd like it to be over the last uh, two, especially the last two weeks. It's been it's been a weird two weeks. So hopefully everybody with the flames and the heat are doing okay and uh, continue to progressing along in their recovery and get out of the protocol and get back to playing games because that's what we'd like to hear from them. We'd like to hear they're doing well in playing games and not other things. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, hopefully, you know, eventually the COVID situation will settle out and eventually the arena situation will settle out. I think, like, you know, like I said, I, I think it feels very, it feels like, uh, like, like a theatrics. 
it feels like theatrics. It feels like theatrics. And it feels like a st- if, yeah, like a standoff kind of where you know someone doesn't want to do this, but the other team they both both don't actually want to do it. But I think both realize you know maybe uh, probably better if someone does. I do it, I, but... I I I think based on the comments that both sides had, I think there's a middle ground to be had. We'll see. You know, we'll see. We got nine days until eight days when this show goes up. Eight days until the. Uh, the apparent drop dead date. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be at the very least, we've had interesting things to talk about. They've been interesting for kind of frustrating ways and frustrating reasons, but we've at least had stuff to talk about, like different things to talk yeah. about. But, you know, we, uh, and the, you know, let's, let's be honest, the Flames are uh, in first place right now by point percentage. That's yeah, kind yeah, of, Vegas let's not bury Vegas the lead. Let's not bury hey, the lead. I will- in, in, in one, one kind in of we- positive of all this is for the rest of the year, they don't, you'll never have the game, you never have to worry about games in hand going against them anymore unless more COVID happens. They'll always be behind the ball from the rest of the division. They're, they're, they're already behind everybody again. So, uh, even if, so you never have to worry about someone catching you with games played anymore because Calgary is played not very many games uh, and they'll probably have to jam. It probably means that their condensed schedule to start the season. That was crazy. will condense their schedule even more in the second half. And you know what? They're troopers. They, they have that um, team mentality method where they show up and work their butts off. So uh, they, they've given us some great quality it's, hockey. It's, we hope to get healthy. And despite, come back and can, despite the insanity of the last two weeks and various stripes, this has been one of the better starts in franchise history. So let's not bury the lead here. I mean, they're a good to very good hockey club this year. And hopefully, you know, it'd be, it'd be a shame if all these, all these uh, medical and, you know, all this other stuff ends up derailing that. Cause you know, it's, we, we, we joke sometimes that the flames are basically the Charlie Brown of, of franchises where, I mean, I was talking with other friends of this, like they moved to, they moved to Calgary in, uh, in 80, in 80, 81, they make the final four and they get crushed in this, in the third round. Like it wasn't like my dad was at some of the games. His exact phrase was, it was not close. It was, it was not <laughs> a close series. Like they, you know, powered by Kent Nilsson, the magic man, they made it to the final four. And then they looked very much like the fourth best team in the final four. And then they learned those lessons and they built up the team. And they finally, they finally beat the Edmonton Oilers in 86 off the Steve Smith goal. And then they made the finals and Montreal just slapped them around a bit. Uh, you know, they, they missed the football in that respect. And then they finally get, make it to the cup final again in 89 and they win and hooray, everything's great. Bunch of players leave and then the team doesn't win a playoff round for 15 years. So mm. the, the, you know, the, the, the flames of the, the history of the franchise has been a series of yay, but wait, it gets worse kind of moments. And, you know, even, you know, like the, you know, the find away flames in 2015, very fortunate team, very fun to watch, but frustrating right about, cause I had to keep rewriting my stories in the third period. Uh, got just, just, you know, outside of once they got past Vancouver, just got crushed by Anaheim, had a terrible year in, in uh, 2016, had a new coach. Like, it's been things. New coach it, every year. It's been like, then. you know, peaks and valleys and dramatic swings. Uh, and, you know, it's, I, I think, I'm very curious to see how the on-ice story ends this year because, you know, the, through the first 28 games, they've, it's been fascinating and fascinating in fun ways and interesting ways. Like, you, you learn, we're learning cool things about the sport and about the team so hopefully that continues i think uh, when the next time we record one of these in theory will be the 29th uh and the flames will have played a game the first game in two and a half weeks and we'll be getting ready to play a back-to-back on seattle and calgary who knows if that happens i mean at this point nothing would surprise me but i'm i'm hoping we get to see hockey next week and that everybody who plays the hockey games is medically fit and feeling good and not worried about catching anything, but this is where we are right now. It's this is where we nature are. of the world. Yeah. Nature of the world. It's uh, um, but speaking of uh, before before we ever go, I whatever holiday, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, non-denominational. Hanukkah was a couple right weeks ago. Hanukkah was a couple. I, I'm, I'm a Christmas guy myself, but uh, whatever holiday you spend at this time of year, we, I, I wish you, uh, from Shane, uh, I wish you guys the best uh, and, and just safe holidays and, yeah, and I do, enjoy, you know, uh, it's, enjoy friends, family, uh, Rupert's Land whiskey, everything you can. The, these aren't these aren't normal times. And I know some folks with the the way things are going. I got my I've uh, 
I've trimmed back my holiday plans this year, just better safe than sorry. But whatever you do, whoever you see, hopefully, you know, you have fun and stay safe and you're able to enjoy the season. I mean, it's, it's a fun season. And then the World Juniors start next week. Um, we get to see Matt. Cor- yeah, we, we, we record this on Zoom. And I just saw Shane do like the biggest fist pump. Uh, the World Juniors is such a fun tournament. So it's I'm. I'm excited. I uh, folks, uh, I've been I've been watching some of Matthew Coronado's Harvard tapes. Uh, Flames fans, this, this this is a very skilled kid. So he's playing on the top line of the U.S. He's the only Flames player that gets to go. If, if the USA so wins the only, the medal, it's going to be because be, Coronado's very good. Him and Matty Beniers, who went second overall to Seattle, uh, are on the top line with uh, I think it's Bur- Brett Burrard. Uh, he was a fifth round pick of the New York Rangers. And uh, my, a, a guy I've talked to on Twitter a lot, Sammy Stern, really likes Brett Burrard. Uh, he's, a, he's a big scout. He does scouting for Dauber prospects and stuff like that. And he, he really likes uh, Brett Burrard. And, and obviously, Team USA likes him too as a, you know, someone that was drafted the year before and he's on their top line. He's a return player. He got a goal and four assists last uh, tournament. I'm so excited for the uh, World Juniors. Uh, it's it's and, and, and specifically of... having a having a potential candidate that could be that the pre-tournament could be in running for the MVP is just fantastic. Out, outside of the Stanley Cup, the World Juniors are the best tournament in sports. And I don't, you know, some people love I, 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 the NBA playoffs. Calgary, I went to every single game. One lucky. of the biggest things I ever saw when I went to the one in Calgary was Zemgis Girgensons. He was uh, 16 playing on Team Latvia, and he was doing things with the puck that I had never seen kids at that level do. And I thought, that, like, yeah, that guy, that guy's doing this against uh, kids two years older than him. He's, he's a good, good, good bet. And he turned into an everyday NHLer, but man, not quite the level that I thought he would display when, but when he was doing those things at the World Juniors in Calgary. So, uh, but that was that was 2012. That was a long time ago. And now we're yeah. Uh, I'm I'm out of questions, Spike. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think yeah. that'll do it. Uh, so yeah, thank, thanks everybody for uh, for for listening. Um, once again, Flames Nation Radio is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash and uh, by Eau Claire Distilleries Rupert's Whiskey. DoorDash and Rupert's Whiskey make great gifts, gift cards, or just give your friend a bottle of something to keep them all full of Christmas cheer or holiday cheer if you do not celebrate Christmas. Uh, For Shane, I'm Ryan. Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.